Good afternoon, Douglas County. This is Steve Peck and Megan Silverthorne, your Lanterns of Liberty, your Sherpas of Sanity. How's it going, Steve? It is going great. I mean, I can't tell you how many hallelujahs I could sing today. Today is a massive day. Today is Wednesday, June 27th, and there is a lot going on with the Supreme Court this week. It feels like the world is turned in on itself and up is down, down is up. People are losing their minds. I mean, they are losing their minds. There's a lot of chatter on the internet, especially, but even over backyard fences and in the grocery store, people are talking about what is happening this week on the Supreme Court. So to start this show off, I've got a couple of tweets that I'd like to read from people that might not be household names to some of you, but I'll start with this tweet. It kind of epitomizes the moment. Quote, literally in tears. Haven't felt this hopeless in a long time. With Justice Kennedy leaving, we now have two options as Americans. One, get fitted for your Nazi suit. Or two, report directly to your death camp. How wow. do you fight in the darkness without light? My spark is going out. It's notice. Mm. That's from Matthew Kovic. That's a small sampling. I've got some more here. Actually, I have uh, several. But any comments on that one in particular? That seems excessive. I wasn't aware that the American government was... You're not getting fitted for your Nazi I, suit? I, I must have missed the appointment. <laughs> it's coming. Okay, Richard W. Painter, also on Twitter, he's running for Senate in Minnesota. No Supreme Court nominations by Trump to replace Justice Kennedy. None, in all caps. He's in blatant violation of the Constitution and must be impeached. Senate and House Judiciary Committee hearings are way past due. I've had it with the appeasement of aspiring dictators. Aspiring dictators? That's gotten 12,386 retweets as of this moment. Aspiring dictators. Here's Jeffrey Tubin, legal analyst and author, speaker, publisher. Is that the Think Progress guy? No, no, he's still coming. Jeffrey Tubin, I think he makes appearances on CNN, I believe, uh, other places. His comment on Twitter is, Anthony Kennedy is retiring. Abortion will be illegal in 20 states in 18 months at SCOTUS. Ah, uh, so he's unwittingly making an argument for states' rights. <laughs> is that your comment back to him? I, I Okay, this is your guy from Think Progress, Ian Milsheimer. You might want to hit the pause button if you've got young ears in the car. I'll just give you a second here. Fuck you, Justice Kennedy. That's eloquent, original, right? Is that the entirety of the tweet? That's the whole tweet. How unfortunate. Well... Yeah. Curtis Cook, he's a stand-up comedian with Comedy Central. His tweet was, I wish this Kennedy had been the one shot instead of the other. That uh, crosses the line. Uh, I think so. I mean, the hysteria, the manic hysteria is only going to build. I mean, you have Trump. That wasn't supposed to happen, right? This was supposed to be Hillary. The FBI was going to make sure everything was going to go their way. And now all of a sudden, now we we've have got Neil Gorsuch. And now what? We have Anthony Kennedy? Flash floods from his little tears, Steve. <laughs> oh, oh, the weeping and gnashing of teeth is almost too much to handle. I, I mean, I, I do sympathize to a certain degree. I remember hearing, you know, in the past about certain decisions or pieces of legislation, and you think, how could this happen? How could this happen in my country? And I get it, right? There's two different perspectives that are battling. And now Trump is going to appoint another originalist for the next generation. And, and I mean, well, Barnes. From, from your lips to Congress's ears. Well, yeah, right, right. This week we've had a series of, oh, in my opinion, very good Supreme Court decisions. Yes. We had the rebuke of the California state government for requiring faith-based family planning providers 
to provide information on free and low-cost abortions. It's a win for freedom of speech. It is, and it's also a win for religious liberty. Right. And the second decision was regarding the president's ability to restrict immigration from certain countries. And now we have the one that was, in my opinion, the most interesting or the most far-reaching. And consequential, for sure. Right. And in, in our old line of work, the school board, this will impact that, and we'll tell you how. Janus versus the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees Council 31. So the Janus decision was about union membership. In, in many states, and especially non-right-to-work states, there are unions that represent public sector employees, and non-members are required to pay what they call agency fees, so a percentage of the full union dues. And that is meant to help cover the costs of bargaining on the part of a union that particular employees who aren't members, they don't belong, so they're not paying. And so the states have allowed unions to determine what the agency fees are. In other words, you're not a member of our organization. We're going to charge you for the benefit of getting bargaining unit benefits. And yeah, they call it the fair share fees. Exactly. And and in this case, in the case of Mr. Janice, it was 78.06% of full union dues. He was paying $45 a month, which represented about three quarters of the full union dues. He's a state employee whose unit was represented by a public sector union, and he refused to join the union because he opposes many of its positions, including those taken in collective bargaining. Mm, yeah, well, this is uh, so much. This goes right to the heart of other issues, like you know, obviously freedom of speech. Right. Right. That $45 ends up being $540 per year. Right, and that's not even the full amount. They were taking the money and using it to help cover the costs of bargaining. So the people from union leadership sitting down with the people who were part of the public sector management, sitting down and hammering out those agreements. But you know that's not what that money was solely going to. No, it wasn't. It turns out in 2016, $64.6 million was spent on that political cycle. And guess what percentage went to Democrats of that $64.6 what million? What percentage, <laughs> Don't you want to know? 90%. 90%, of course, 90%. This is close as you can get to the self-licking ice cream cone if you're the DNC. Well, and that's one of the reasons Colorado passed its open collective bargaining negotiations amendment a couple of years ago. Because typically what happens is unions spend tons of money to elect friendly politicians who then go behind closed doors and negotiate with that same union and come out and say to taxpayers, hey guys, here's what you're paying for. You don't get to see any of that because we've got this whole machine that's generated this fabulous deal for anybody who can get in on it. There is such a thing as a money tree. Uh, Unfortunately, and it's it's watered by taxpayer labor. what, What stuns me about this case is that if the shoe were on the other foot, for example, if the National Rifle Association were somehow able to mandate that companies take a portion or all their their labor and then commit dues under a mandate and say, you have to pay us, and then they take that money and then in turn send it to your local congressman, people would lose their minds. They would. But for some reason, when it comes to the public sector unions or with teachers' dues, it's like a totally different set of facts. I think people view public sector unions as necessary. And in fact, public sector union membership has stayed much higher proportionally than private sector union membership. 
So I've got a couple different sets of numbers from the USA Today, which isn't exactly known to be hard-hitting, but mm. I, I pulled this one off the net. The uh, nation's roughly 15 million union members make up less than 11% of the workforce, a drop of 35% from World War II. Mm. The decline has been fueled by the private sector, where only 6.5% of workers remain unionized. The numbers from the Department of Labor are a little bit different. They said in 2017, there were 7.2 million public sector workers who are members of a union. So whether it's 5 million or 7.2 million, if you take 7.2 million people, and let's just use Janice as, as, as our ruler, $45 a month, and he was only paying 75% of the dues, that works out to be $3.8 billion with a B. So for if the union dues were actually $540, if ever, every single person was paying that, you're saying $3 billion? Yeah, $3 billion across these different All public sector right? unions. Yeah, so, so this doesn't only apply to teachers. This also applies to city workers, uh, probably workers. Uh, firemen in some cases, I'm sure. Right. So just so our audience knows this isn't just teachers. It, it actually is quite a bit more than that. And then... The private sector, there's still 7.6 million employees are still part of a private sector union. The finding saying that states could no longer require agency fees, can no longer require non-members to pay union dues when they are not members, that's far-reaching. Included in the opinion, the majority opinion, it says states and public sector unions may no longer extract agency fees from non-consenting employees. The First Amendment is violated when money is taken from non-consenting employees for a public sector union. Employees must choose to support the union before anything is taken from them. I thought consent was kind of important. It is important. Well, and the Supreme Court agrees with you here. Accordingly, neither an agency fee nor any other form of payment, nor any other form of payment, to a public sector union may be deducted from an employee nor may any other attempt be made to collect such a payment unless the employee affirmatively consents to pay. That's huge. Yeah, obviously the unions are terrified that their war chest and their self-licking ice cream cone is probably going to require a little bit more work. I mean, there's nothing preventing them from raising money or preventing people from joining a public sector unions. They just can't compel it any longer. So, I mean, I'm sure they're thinking, oh, we're going to have to roll up our sleeves and raise money the honest way. I think there is going to be a little bit of a bump in some ways because some people who belong to unions, who actually have always chosen to belong, who affirmatively have chosen all along, they are true believers. They really believe that unions are the way to a safe, stable workplace, and they believe that they're necessary. Well, so, so what they're going to do is not only continue to re-up, but they're going to give the union additional donations. They're going to encourage all their friends to mm. join. So I think there are some people, including Justice Alito, who believe that it won't be as big of a blow as some unions fear. I think that's a probably a fair point. You're right. They're going to double down and say, well, I have to commit tithes to the church, so to speak. That's certainly their right. What wasn't their right and what the court has agreed wasn't their right was to extract that from people who never signed up in the first place. <laughs> so right now there are 28 states that are considered right-to-work states. Right. And by the way, Colorado is not one of them. Yeah. And Megan and I looked at the map of states that are right-to-work and, and those that aren't. And I mean, just for ease of communicating... Basically, it's broken down on the red-blue divide, right? So right. states like California are not right-to-work states. States like Kentucky are. 
Right. And and there are a couple of maybe exceptions or at least sometime exceptions like Michigan, Wisconsin, Virginia. Those are blue states that occasionally swing wildly red. But yes, I mean, Colorado is an example. And in our state, some public sector workers are not required to join the union as a condition of employment, and some are. For example, Boulder. Mm-hmm. Boulder is, you know, what we affectionately refer to as the People's Republic. Of. It's an island of blue. Their municipal workforce, some of the bargaining unit there is typically required to join the union as a condition of employment. Our teachers here. And and that's the thing. And statewide in Colorado, no teacher is required to join the union as a condition of employment. So Colorado is more of a hybrid. It's not considered a right-to-work state, but there are some protections against mandated union dues. That's right. Colorado is frequently a local control state, not just in education, but in certain other ways as well. And sometimes those municipalities or other home rule areas choose perhaps different paths than other parts of the state. So we're not going to read through the whole dissent and holding today, but of you know, like many of the cases that have been decided during this term, it's another five-four decision with justices Sotomayor, Kagan, Ginsburg. Uh, Ginsburg, and Breyer all dissenting. They were part of the minority in this case, and Justice Kagan wrote the dissent in this piece. And I wanted to read a couple of lines from her dissent and just give some context to the audience. There's no sugarcoating today's opinion. The majority overthrows a decision entrenched in this nation's law and in its economic life for over 40 years. As a result, it prevents the American people acting through their state and local officials from making important choices about workplace governance. And it does so by weaponizing the First Amendment in a way that unleashes judges now and in the future to intervene in economic and regulatory policy. Weaponizing the First Amendment, that is an interesting set of words, wouldn't you agree? I, I think it might be a little over the top, but we do have precedent for speech being tied to dollars, right? In our campaign finance laws, dollars are an extension of your speech. I don't think it's over the top at all. I think the First Amendment is a weapon that is meant to be used by the people against the government as appropriate. It is up to the people to use their speech and use their association and use their right to assembly and all their other First Amendment rights in a way that holds our government accountable. And basically, Kagan is saying, no, we don't want the people to do that. I mean, that's weaponizing. We can't have that. Well, that's what it was for, Justice Kagan. At the end of her dissent, she said, and maybe most alarming, the majority has chosen the winners by turning the First Amendment into a sword and using it against workday economic and regulatory policy. For that reason, almost all economic and regulatory policy affects or touches speech. So the majority's road runs long, and at every stop are black-robed rulers overriding citizens' choices. Hmm. Okay, I have to stop. That's rich. Uh, That is unbelievable to me. I'm sorry my phone keeps dinging. That's unbelievable to me. Given the last 25 years of precedence in case law, all of a sudden they're now the ones victimized by black-robed rulers? Are you kidding me? Well, she thinks that citizens' choices should only count when it comes to who they're electing for their legislature, which is in turn controlling the union membership and how those choices can be enacted. Forget about the choices to belong to the union in the first place, which she was happily going to deny Mr. Janus. Well, I just wonder what other things is Justice Kagan not comfortable with requiring consent? I mean, to what extent can the state mandate or require or compel you to do things against your consent? It's outrageous. 
the part of the precedent that Janus and, and its decision unraveled is the 1977 Abu decision, which was the previous precedent on which compelling public sector workers to pay union dues even when they didn't belong to a union. That was the previous underpinning of permitting that across the states. So she apparently has been okay with that. She defended that in her dissent. I would encourage people to read her entire dissent and see how she manages to do that. I don't particularly think it's terribly logical. No, no. Do you have anything from the holding that you want to highlight from Justice uh, Alito? Well, and that was really it. I mean, I, I wanted to foot stomp again nor may any other attempt be made to collect such a payment. No other form of payment. So not just an agency fee, but there's no ability to do end runs. There's no ability to say, well, it's not an agency fee, it's something else. I mean, I saw a ridiculous proposal on Vox to bump people's salary and, and then to require people to pay that salary back to the union. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's still unconstitutional. I mean, let's just face it. The unions have to go back to the street and say, here's why you should join our organization. Here's why you should care about what we offer you. And then, like you said, raise money the honest, old-fashioned way. Well, I wish the public sector employees good luck with that. They should not be prohibited from holding out their hat and holding awareness forums to rake in as much money as possible. We wish them the best of luck in their future endeavors. Well, and so speaking of future endeavors, the last thing is how is this going to affect Douglas County? How is it going to affect Colorado? Well, yeah, I think we should absolutely touch on the fact that at a minimum, $300,000 came from the teachers union and was sent into this local school board race, which is fine, right? And so even though teachers aren't compelled to pay union dues here, it came from the national teachers union. And so, yeah, we, at a minimum is 300000 I know there was some question about it being as high as 700000 So certainly these decisions impact us at the local level and they impacted our most recent race. Right. So if the national union suffers a reduced ability to raise money, then perhaps they'll pick and choose more carefully how indiscriminately they spend six figures on local elections. <laughs> I think that's probably a strong chance of that. We'll find out, won't we? Well, thanks for listening. We always enjoy it. And please join us again for our next show. We appreciate it. Thanks, Steve.